Welcome to the Share Life Podcast with Jason Scott Montoya, where we explore stories and systems to live better and work smarter. In this inspirational people interview on the Share Life Podcast, I'm speaking with Jason Fernandez. Jason, did I get that right? Uh, yes, you're one of the few people. Um, yeah, so thank you. Fernandez. Um, he's, he's an actor, a native of Long Island, New York, if you're not aware. Um, he's most notable in his roles at USC theater department, um, including Gus Coverly from Arcadia, Link Larkin from Hairspray, as well as his role um, of Eugene Jerome from Biloxi Blues at Columbia's Workshop Theater. Film and credits include George Clooney from the Kitty Kelly Files and Rosita's partners from The Walking Dead. Um, Jason and I, we're both Jasons, so uh, Jason yes. is an awesome name. Um, so Great Jason name, and actually. I met on the set of Ozark, um, and uh, on and it was the filming of season three, and it was 2019 or so. And um, so on set, the two of us connected. And we talked about a variety of topics and uh, just throughout the day of filming, it was just a great time to get together. We connected on social medias. Um, since he's a professional actor and I'm just a, uh, an, an, a casual intermingler, uh, we oh, stay connected. No. Um, but anyways, as I was watching The Walking Dead, the season 10, um, and the final finale episode of season 10, I saw Jason's face as one of the soldiers in the episode. And I was like, it's you. And so I messaged him. And once again, this year, season 11, um, he was uh, a soldier in the Commonwealth uh, with Rosita, um, as, who's a character from the show. And uh, I saw him again. And I was like, it's you again. And so we that led to us uh, saying, hey, let's get on the podcast. And I'd love for you to share your story. Um, I understand, you know, acting is a tough thing. Um, it's a tough career path to follow. I've had some friends that have gone down that road and, and it's, it's difficult to, to, to get somewhere and to get, uh, the type of success that, that most actors are looking for. But what's impressed me about you and inspired me and why, why I admire you is because, because of your commitment to it, um, you are fully committed and, um, and it's something the journey to get to it and the journey through it has shaped who you are as a person. And I'd love for others to, to get to know you and, and to hear your story because I think um, they'll be inspired as, as I've been. So before we um, jump into the many questions that I have, you know, just tell us about you and your story and uh, how, how you ended up as an actor and how you ended up on this podcast. <laughs> Every moment in our lives has led to this uh yeah it, it, it um you know when i think of it i i have only one memory i go back to and that is simply sitting on the couch you know late at night there's you know snow snow out and you can't really go anywhere everybody's huddled around a crt television that weighs fifty thousand tons um and just going to Blockbuster and bringing something home for every, you know, you put it in, you press play and, you know, you watch the ad. It was, it was like, I guess it was like putting on a record for yeah. <laughs> 90s children. But uh, um, there was, it was very ritualistic where me and my family could gather for all of a couple hours or whatever it was. And 
everything else just stopped. And for all of a couple hours, you could maybe, you know, you could be, again, there, there was, if there, if there were any influential films in my life that made me want to do this, it was watching dinosaurs in Jurassic Park <laughs> and, okay, yeah. and episode two, Attack of the Clones. Yeah. I, I am a prequel freak. So yeah. I, it was, I remember seeing that movie clear as day in the theater and then the lead up to episode three, it, it was mind blowing for a, yeah. for a young boy in uh, yeah. Island. So, uh, well, you're, I, so, um, so that would have been, so like, how old were you when that, when Attack of the Clones came out then? That was 2002. So I was seven years old okay. and leading up to 2005, you know, we had a lot you know, in between, we had um, Gendy Tartakovsky's uh, animated Clone Wars series. You know, he did the Powerpuff yeah. Girls oh, and yeah. Samurai. It was in the style of Samurai Jack, yeah. and it was shit's kiss. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and it, it kind of teed it up. And you know, you had the video games, you had CD-ROMs. I don't know if, yeah. if anybody even knows what that is. Um, and then watching Revenge of the Sith in 05. and you know, again, there's you know, Breaking Benjamin's out. Three, you know, three doors down. It was, it was a great time mm. for young angst and uh, emo culture. <laughs> uh, but you know, those well, were so very how, pivotal things. So, how me. did that connect the dots between your scene movies, your scene um, people acting, to all of a sudden I yeah. want to be involved in that in some way? It, or, or did that come later? I mean, I, 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 I don't, you know, I don't know how to explain it, but. I just remember feeling a certain way and having catharsis towards what I was seeing and hearing and experiencing. Um, the idea that I could feel something or learn something from what I was watching, if I could derive meaning, if my peers, my closest you know, family could derive some kind of value out of what we were all experiencing together. Um, and then, yeah, throw in some special effects, throw in the lasers, throw in the pyrotechnics. It's like, yeah, why not? You know, everyone else is doing it. So why not you? Yeah. So wh why in front of the camera instead of behind it? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I, I remember I had a split. I had I, my psyche like split in two by the time I had gotten to uh, University of South Carolina. K through 12, you know, again, they, they, I remember in New York, they offered drama club at 10 years old, fifth grade. And then at that age, I also did choir. So for fifth grade through senior year of high school, I did not stop. It was drama and it was choir at the same time. Mm -hmm. To me, it was all the same thing. Yeah. You know, performance or whatever you call that. So by the time I got to South Carolina, you know, I, I was more musically inclined. I had mm -hmm. a mentor who was a musical genius at the piano. And um, he, he, for four or five years straight, I mean, I learned vocalization. I learned how to sight read, how to be handed a sheet of music I've never seen before. And then to know exactly what's going on in the pitch, the rhythms, the harmonies. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wanted to do that in college, maybe choir again, continue it, you know, 
I was never the strongest singer in the room, but I knew I could act. I knew I could, I love dance. You know, it's, it's like the dance, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I'm just naturally expressive. So I said, you know what? I'm, I'm all in. I'm going, getting my theater degree. Um, it's sloppily hung in this frame, but <laughs> okay, there yeah. she is. So how did you go from New York to Carolina? Like, how did that happen? 08 was a crazy year. You know, the whole time of my life from the time I could remember, which was about, again, like 99, 2000, 2001. So I'm very privy to the possibility that um, just other world events, you know, maybe I wasn't fully cognizant of or didn't fully understand may have also had a part in understanding civil responsibility and it was cool it kind of valid college kind of validated that for me because you go into college I had never taken an acting class since I got there but when I got there you know you learn you know set construction design and all the other things but you learn in a historical context in theater history that this phenomenon that we call acting has gone on forever. It's been around just as long as we have, and it's going to continue for as long as we're around. Yeah. So, you know, every, I brought it to you in the notes um, where, you know, the Greeks are kind of, you know, credited for, you know, Western, you know, theater. And that's true. Um, it has more ritualistic roots thousands of years earlier um, in ancient Egypt. Hmm. So, so, and again, you see it in Japan, you see it in all different flavors and cultures of the world. So it used to be a very ritualistic, you had to participate. You know, there were, if, you know this is where your status in, in the community, in the city is kind of a, at stake. Um, you may be, you know, running for, uh, you know, governor, you know, of, of Athens or whatever, whatever. But um, you look at plays like Lysistrata, like Agamemnon, that go back forever. And w- you look at what they talk about. And a lot of it is critique. A lot of it is um, human emotion. You know, again, they were not afraid to challenge what was going on at the time. Shakespeare was not afraid to write Hamlet as a commentary on moral violence. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, does Hamlet feign or fake being crazy after coming home from college and figuring out, oh, you know, my uncle killed my dad. He's married to my mom now and he kind of runs the show and whatever. But there is a learning component to acting there is a spiritual component to acting that I would like to foster yeah. uh, going forward in just everything that I do. But I think it's a very, it's a very, it's an energy you can't replicate, um, especially in theater. All right. So, you know, when I, one of the things I like to talk about on the podcast and, and um, just generally is, is about living well, living better, 
you know, you've been on this journey and, and, and so what does it mean for you to live better, live well? And is there anything about your story that's, that's contributed to that? It's funny, you know, I, I, I used to believe when I was younger that a lot was just generally out of my control. Um, and, you know, I would say that's just a natural thing. You know, the, I can't help it if there's a tornado outside. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, choosing better is having that understanding that you can plan, you can work hard, you can premeditate as much as you like, you know, how, you know, how something's going to go, you know, your plans, things just happen, you know, and it's the things that you don't account for that might actually uh, be life-changing in positive ways. Yeah. So like to, I guess, what would be an example of that for you? Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, this is a very, Good question. Um, something I've recognized is I've I find it hard to open up. Um, I find myself, uh, and maybe you know, again, everybody had to be on lockdown. So, yeah. But I I remember before this pandemic started, I was given a life changing event um, that ultimately changed the entire direction of where I saw myself you know, when I was in college and even in school, I, I just didn't like it. All I wanted to do was just get out and do this. Mm. It was holding and you back. I, I felt that. Well, well, you know, I, I need to learn. I need to, yeah. I, I need to know things, but um, I, I can't be an actor with a high school degree. I, mm. I, I, so I knew that from you, the beginning. But did, was there a point in the high school where you didn't know about the acting or had you always had that? through the Yeah. Whole yeah. You know, you do this long enough and the you know it depends on who you listen to it depends on which voices you kind of vocalize and feed to yourself i believed many people who had critiques of me and you know genuine critiques of uh, you know maybe i guess being a young actor again in college they they broke you down they would say this all the time we're here to break you down <laughs> so we can build you back up but what but what is that other than Planting a flower, you know, this flower has grown naturally out of the soil, out of its roots. It finds the sun, it finds the water, it finds nourishment, and it grows. Are you telling me you're going to cut that flower off at the base so that you can make a new one in your own image? No. So I didn't agree with that. My classmates didn't agree with that mindset. And we generally said on an institutional level, we have to go our own way. We have to take charge where the people we're looking up to might not have our long-term interest at heart. Mm-hmm. So I, for me, I, in 2016, I had gained 30 pounds. I was pounding the pavement. I was just, a, I was just a sad boy. So I said, well, you can be an actor or you can, you know, kind of do what you're doing right now, but you can't do both. Yeah. Uh, so I said, I, major change was needed, but ultimately it led to, a life-changing thing where like many college kids, you just, you get caught up in behaviors that are just so dangerous to young people, to anybody, people in general, not even, it's not restricted to youth. So 
it's a rough place college but why why do people go there why did you go there what was it an escape was it something uh, else well i i i just remember again i had believed the notion if you didn't go to college you're not gonna earn xyz you're not gonna xyz not 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 so the fear of not having a safety or security net under myself and in, in for the rest of my life that's a very that's a very interesting thing to say to a child across you know cultures so in that in that way i i, I never liked school i identified with the kids who were weird or who were mm-hmm. counterculture because you know what those kids were the ones who were saying yeah you know this whole thing you know i just just doesn't doesn't make sense you know i, I don't like yeah. it either so I, I, those were the people I gravitated towards. And, um, I, I, you know, at the end of it, I saw myself going down a path. I, I would not allow to this day. Yeah. Um, what it led to, um, you know, and again, me and I've never, I've never shared this out loud, but I was out one night with friends i was a designated driver it was raining you know and we had no you know again they teach you in college you know you need you need you can't go a certain limit with you know within an hour if you're going to do that so i again we tried to do all of our bases one night just going on on a regular friday and i remember i was with a couple i was very good friends with and, you know, we were leaving. It was 2 a.m. in the morning. We had said, okay, let's get home safe. It's raining out. You know, you hold the GPS, you know. doesn't matter how many times you plan for it. doesn't matter how many times you take stock and understand. What happened the night I'm describing in 2018, in June, uh, ultimately, our car hydroplaned, you know, and I had hit a tree. I had, I had, you know, hit, I had, the car had flipped on its left side on the driver's side. My entire rib cage had taken the hit and we were, the passenger side was facing the sky. And, um, you know, in the moment, I, I remember everything. I just remember, you know, hearing my friend Emily in the back, you know, my friend Corey in the passenger seat, and I'm just down. I'm just on the ground. And I would, I remember just thinking, oh my God, what have I done to them? You know, I can't, I can't move. I can't, I can't speak. I can't do anything. I'm immobilized and I can still hear them. So I was admitted that night on, I think it was June 28th. And I stayed in the ICU for three days and they had to, because, because I had cracked the entire left side of my rib cage, uh, I had severed an artery by my spleen. That had to 
ultimately get embalmed from the inside. They had put a metal coil kind of up somewhere, I'm not going to say, uh, and literally heated the wire so that my artery could close and then I wouldn't bleed out from the inside. Having said that, um, it's a miracle. It's as bad as that all sounds, I cannot fundamentally explain waking up the following day and things were just different on a fundamental, almost ethereal level. My entire nihilistic, I guess, mindset uh, that you develop in youth when you grow up in the, just with the news in America, you know, it's, it's a unique experience here. So I, I was given a second chance And since then, my life has been ultimately, I would say, heaven. It's, it's, it's heaven on earth. And I find myself questioning sometimes, is this even real? I don't care. Point is, is that I'm here. Um, I've always known what I wanted. And I'm not going to stop. So it was a clarifying moment for you. Um, for, uh, in regards to your friends, did they, how did they, um, fare in the accident and were they okay? Well, no, um, my friend, Emily, who was in the back, uh, she had, she had a concussion. She, I don't know when she left exactly, but she was, she left that night or that morning. Um, her boyfriend, Corey, um, was a paramedic. He was in the passenger seat adjacent to me. And um, he sprang into action. I mean, he, as far as I know, I, I don't believe, again, I was told he just had a scratch on his finger, but, you know, I would imagine it, it was more than that. I stayed, they left, you know, on the first day I stayed and I, I didn't know. I didn't know how they were going to be. I didn't know if, if I had brought serious negative change to my friends' lives, you know, in, in all of seconds. Mm -hmm. So when I, I guess going back 180 to living better, I believe living better um, is understanding things just happen. Um, lightning can strike your tree and you can use that. You can harness that for good. So I, you know, I, I bug the crap out of my friends every weekend. I make sure I, I call everybody, you know, so I'm, it, it, I recognize that so many people, mentors, peers have ultimately brought me here to, uh, even this podcast with you. Yeah. Uh, and I am, I can't thank them enough.
Can't thank them enough. Yeah. So is there a fast, you know, a couple of things come to mind is, is there a facet of that where, you know, being nihilistic, it's one thing to be nihilistic in a, in a, a conceptual way, like in my mind, right. And to kind of slowly unfold, but to experience an event like that and to see perhaps the end result of that type of nihilism in terms of like, here are real people that are being potentially hurt. In this case, it was an accident, right? Um, but that's, that's a very viscerally different type of uh, experience to, to think about that pain and suffering and, and, and uh, the edge of death um, up close. Do you, do you connect any way to those two uh, contrast to that contrast between those two? I find it interesting that um, I find it interesting that it's almost like it's almost like a coin. You can look at it heads or tails. You can hand it to somebody heads or tails. Ultimately, that coin represents two sides and it holds the same value. I think a healthy dose of nihilism maybe is good, you know, when you're generally, again, critiquing, when you're challenging, when you're creating thought, these are important things. I don't know if it was just the culture or, you know, the environment of being a young person on their own trying to carve a destiny they don't even know. Um, I always just wanted to create some meaning, even through that lens mm -hmm. I had seen, you know, again, and I, the, I think it just goes back to just, you know, turn off the television some, sometimes, yeah. you know, yeah. unless, unless you're, you know, but I, 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 find that it's not an absolute i don't find my I, I don't find myself going to the absolution of well believe in everything but believe in anything maybe the fact that something just is is okay it's hard enough to just be something just be that's that that alone is just hard enough i think especially for young people um, you don't have to model, you know, yourself after other people in the way, you know, a four-year-old might cling to a six-year-old, you know, you know, you know, wanting to be just like them, you know, the, the power to have influential people, people in power, people of influence, these are all things that make you who you are. These, these are all things that kind of maybe say, well, you know, I, I don't have nearly as much as that guy or, wow, you know, maybe I had it all to begin with. This is, this is where I think people generally, you know, we, I think this is where people kind of look for some kind of clarity. So the clarity I've always found in answering life's hardest questions, whether it is, you know, Joy, you know, joy on one hand or the other, the alternative. It's all one big party. And I'm not ready to leave. 
And in that way, I owe it to the people who have made me excellent in the hopes that I could continue their excellence for somebody like me who needed it most. So you, you, in that statement, as well as previous ones, there, there is a part of you that's very oriented towards, towards other people. When you were in the accident, you saw your friends and go and asked yourself, what have I done to them? Um, yeah, in that, in yeah. that case, it's, I want to help them. Right. So tell me more about that dynamic about you and, and why, why that is something that came up to came to mind so quickly and why it's something that you care so deeply about. Well, I, I would say even earlier than that, you know, I, I was, uh, I was the run on the playground, you know, what I, I got, I got bullied a lot as a kid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, I guess you could say maybe everybody gets a little something, you know, no, no matter where you fall. But I just remember being very keen on whether it was my peers or whether it was parents or community members or teachers. I've always been very attuned to what people have said to what they haven't said in between words. Um, and, you know, I may, I don't know. I mean, I always, I always saw, if I saw some kid getting picked on on the playground, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going over there. You know, I'm help. I'm, you know, I'm tired. I'm, you know, I was getting, you know, fed up of getting, you know, hit with a tennis ball. You know, you play butts <laughs> up, you throw, remember, I don't know if you guys played that game down here, but you throw a tennis, you and your friends, you throw a tennis ball at the wall. And let's just say you drop, I don't know, you drop it, you know, whatever. If you don't run and you touch the wall, then your friends get to, you know, peg the ball at you. It's like, well, yeah. what kind of game, what kind of game is that? <laughs> uh, you know, a young, I, uh, yeah. Rough game. Yeah. You know, so, so I, I just said, I, it, I, I never identified with that. I never yeah. identified with, I guess, just reactive aggression. Yeah. But ultimately, I, I, just to close it out, I, I just remember in college, I just remember having a split where, you know, that, you know, that voice, you know, you, you know, p- teacher on the playground calls everybody inside. Hey, you're having too much fun, you know, get back in here. Um, sometimes that voice, when you reach a certain age, becomes your voice. When I hit college, when I had the accident and when I had to graduate. I didn't even know if I was going to make it, you know, I, I, I really skated on, you know, getting those 500 level courses in, you know, just to fill the credit, you know, get all that minutia in. but ultimately saying to myself, all right, you're having too much fun, you know, get back in there, write the paper, you know? So being my own parent was a very important part of this process. But is it the accident that that shifted where you took responsibility, or had is that the the difference between the one of the differences between before and after is is you took responsibility, you carried the burden. Admit, I mean, admittedly, it wasn't overnight. I mean, yeah, just kind of muddling through it and healing and sleeping on the couch because I can't sleep in the bed. I can't lay down. You know, I just remember my mother being next to me and just saying, look, 
you can't do this. You can't do this to yourself. You can't get in your own way. You can't cheat your own self out of the hard work, the, the pop quizzes, the, you know, you know, the birthday, you know, whatever. It's like everything that I have done up to now is going to make what's going to happen down the line possible. So I don't look over my shoulder. I don't look, I don't look back at Long Island and say, well, I want to go back home anymore. It's not that I don't, but I remember being kind of caught in my past and my future and just saying, well, maybe I'm just here now, you know, maybe I'm in the present. So, yeah. You know, don't look too far ahead. Don't look over your shoulder too far. Just feet firmly planted, eyes open, ears on. Trust yourself and you will do fine. Okay. So is that what you would say, or is there something else you would say to that person that was the old you, the nihilistic version of you? If that person's listening or watching me now, what would you speak to them? Yeah, I would just say, don't believe everything you read. Um, And uh, you have to, it kind of goes back to trusting yourself. Like, I, I, I don't know, like, I guess you could say, like, I'll use an example. Like I used, I smoked cigarettes for two years, admittedly, when I was 18. The only reason I did that, and I don't do it anymore, um, I never liked it. You know, I, I would always feel sick and whatever, but I did it because my friends did it. Did it because it was a social thing. It was just a social activity. Um, no different than, you know, eating, you know, going to dinner or going out on a Friday night and, everything that comes with, but I didn't, I didn't really identify with that either. I can, I can count on two hands, the amount of times I've been to five points in Columbia, South Carolina. I wasn't there. I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to be sick as a dog every weekend. I didn't want to throw what little money I had down the drain. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. And you know, I'm I'm no saint, you know, whatever, you know, we we did house parties, you know, instead, but um, I just knew what other people were getting into. I was very keen on the fact a lot of kids in college take, you know, Vyvanse or Adderall, performance enhancing drugs to get them to pass these tests because everybody's freaked out that they're not going to pass, you know, the courses are getting exponentially harder and it's really a lot of it goes back to just being afraid being afraid of financial ruin you know that you're not good that you got into this and you're not going to pay off Mm -hmm. your debt you know if your parents are happy enough to help you out you know what does it mean for them if you might not be doing so well you know, what does it mean if you believe if you don't graduate, you will not be successful in life? This is scary stuff. And, and I, I, how, how prominent is, how prominent is that message, at least with the people you grew up with in terms of their parents to them? 
was that was that pervasive across the board or was it a segment of the of the of your peers yeah and this isn't any sort of commentary on any particular people i just would say to generalize an entire swath of of young people <laughs> uh uh I just saw, I, I see a lot, you know, of, of kids who believe you have to be in the top 40 Forbes to be successful. You have to have a six figure salary, have to have a square jaw, you have to be six two. you know, have to, have to, have to, have to graduate, Even, you know, get your master's, get your doctorate. There's so many doctors who aren't guaranteed jobs. There's a lot of out of work doctors right now. So even that's not a guarantee and you have a much higher mountain of debt. So, you know, you hear it from, again, you hear it from these people who made it, you know, Bill Gates or um, Steve jobs, you know, you listen to their interviews and they would just say, look, I don't, you know, the GPA, you know, the classes, we don't really look at that. You know, we look at what have you done? What are you doing? What's your experience? And that is something I believe is not taught enough in the public school system. You know, I had, again, I had ultimately a sense that I had to take charge of my own career, my own destiny, because no, who's going to do it for you? You know, your parents can say, oh, you know, you could be a lawyer, you could be a doctor, you know, whatever. But and that's true. Science and mathematics is actually important. Uh, but it's not the end all be all. So how, how does that apply to work? What does it mean to work smarter? I love this question. Because uh, I don't know, I guess I love to answer it. But yeah, when it's not enough to work hard, you know, work hard is no substitute for hard work. It shows. Um, working smart right now is, you know, again, you can you can move that rock from A to B, but can you make it work for you? You know, can you make it something, you know, bigger? That is working smart. Um, starting a company where you're moving rocks, you know, hiring a couple employees. So, for me, the greatest thing I love about acting the greatest thing i love about this institution or this profession is the pressure's off uh failure is encouraged you need failure you need to fall on your face you need to stumble through the lines you need to you know you need to so failure was highly encouraged you know running through it and say you know your director telling you well go a little deeper with that uh like like every graduate professor um yeah but how so, does that differ than someone might say well you know i still have to i still have to live somewhere yeah, I still have to it, eat. so there there's yeah. a sense of survival there as well right yeah it's not it's not a self-imposed failure mm -hmm. it's not it's not getting in your own way to artificially you know create the hurdles of which you jump those hurdles naturally exist things naturally happen so creating you know working smart and choosing better they're really the same thing you can 
take charge, you can kind of manifest and, you know, kind of put yourself on a path. You can write it out and go through the steps. And that's, that's everything, you know, consistent, you know, just wanting to do something um, gives you a leg up on people who are there and they, they're working a job they do not want to do. It's soul crushing. Mm -hmm. So I did not see myself, my future self in a position where I could wake up in a job where I could say, I, I can't do this. You know, I, I, yeah. I didn't want that for myself. Well, so, so many people are though. They've, they, although perhaps the pandemic has changed that for many, they thought maybe I don't have that. Maybe, maybe I yeah. should do that. Um, but how would you, what would you say to those people that are, they're in that place of, they, sh they, they know they should have quit like two years ago, but they just haven't, <laughs> you know? I, if there's one thing I would say, I would say, I get it. You know, if I'm a young kid, you know, do I, and I'm looking at the bill, I'm looking at the five, you know, most expensive piece of paper. Um, I don't know if I want to put myself in that kind of position right out of high school. I could do landscaping. You know, I could work for a year, two years, maybe have enough tenure, have enough reputation to now have enough volume of work to where I could say, oh, well, this is getting too much. I need to hire, you know, one guy or two guys to split the difference. Now you're at year three and you're running a business. You have consistent quality work and you have paid employees under you. So you could be an entrepreneur right out of the gate with, with a clear and imminent strategy, execute it, and then reap the benefits of your hard work. Yeah. So you, yeah, don't you, don't, you don't have to do the four degrees is, is what I'm saying. You don't, you don't have to over prescribe college. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. That's not, that's not the end all be all. Yeah. And so, and, and some of how you think, you think very entrepreneurially, how does that apply to your work? The work that you do or the way that you approach your work? I don't, you know, I, I, I almost feel, I don't know. I almost feel predisposed. Um, I just, I even, you know, I, I've directed, I've, done set construction, I've done set design, I've done costuming, you know, so I, to me, you know, I, I've, I've always had the benefit of just knowing exactly what it is, um, you know, that I needed to be, if it was any space. And even, I remember being in high school and if I didn't get cast at all, you know, your name's not on the, on the callback sheet, when I would say, well, put me in tech. You know, I, I, I contributing to that, what that four-year-old discovered on the couch watching movies um, is why I do this at all. It's really just using what I know to satisfy the four-year-old that's really at the controls. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of younger people, um, what, is, what do you think about mentoring? Um, is it important to you? How do you approach it? How has it benefited you over your life? 
Yeah, I mean, there are key figures who have come into my life um, and have, I get, you know, they call it a toolbox, you know, you know, you, you know, don't, don't throw anything away, you know, everybody, you know, kind of says, if you look at, you know, Meisner or Adler, or all these other guys, you know, they, they all think they're right. They're all saying the same thing. Um, but I just remember having different flavors of teachers, but when I think of particular key figures in my life, um, you know, there's one guy I go back to over and over again, and that is uh, Mr. Jay Forrest of uh, Clover High School, South Carolina. You know, when I had moved from Long Island, I went, you know, I did one year of middle school and I went right into high school, right out of the gate. So I was 13, 14, you know, so by that time, it's like, okay, you know, you're already kind of, you're not fully cooked, but halfway, you know, a little bit. So I are my, I guess my personality, my goals, you know, my sense of self was cemented before the move, but coming down from a place like that to, you know, the border of North and South Carolina and Southern Charlotte, it's like culture shock. So I, I had to assimilate. I found myself in an entirely new environment with a different set of values, a different set of what life is like. And I had to assimilate fast. You know, is that you, something you, you, that you think was unique to you? Like most people don't experience that, or at least not at that age, where yeah, you have it, to kind of be one in one group of many versus in, in a dominant group of which you don't have to think that way. Yeah. I, I, I was, again, I think I said it before I was, I was, I had one friend, I had one best friend in, in New York and that's all I needed. Um, hi Nick. But um, <laughs> when I got to South Carolina, it was this thing where I was just, you know, Re coming, realizing the environment I was coming out of and understanding I'm walking into an entirely different culture, almost an entirely different country on its own. I'm the outsider. And, you know, this is my second chance. So I recognize the fact that I just through naturally what happened, I was given a second chance to kind of, okay, you know, what are, you know, can maybe reinvent myself or, you know, maybe be Joe cool. Yeah. You know, nobody knows who I am. I can go in totally blind sunglasses, you know, whatever, but that doesn't work. And I learned quickly from, you know, people there from my mentors there that, um, I, I don't know. I Southern hospitality, I guess. Yeah. And charm, you know. Do you think I, that, that being an outsider in that sense prepared you for acting in, in the sense that, you know, breaking into the industry, you, you know, you are an outsider until you get in, um, so to speak. So is that, is that the case or is that a, a false uh, assumption? Absolutely. Uh, because I, if I could re maybe put a spin on it, um, I've worked, I think, I feel like I've worked every conceivable part-time job there is. I've been a, I've worked in a grocery store, worked in a warehouse, worked in a restaurant, 
worked in this. Um, there's many different paths I've taken to kind of facilitate this movie making need of mine. Um, and I find that that variety, having the variety of different cultures, um, different ways of thinking in the Northeast and having an entirely different, almost not unilateral experience, but having, you know, a, a just another set of experiences in a new environment uh, fuels me to try it on, you know, try it on, see if it fits. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's what I love about scripts. That's what I love about throwing myself into roles is, you know, you, you, they ask you all the time, you know, well, are you, are you serious or are you funny or, you know, what are you? Give me the script and I'll worry about that. You know, I, he who reads the script most wins. He who understands the facts and the truth of what's in front of you, I think is everything. Yeah. So speaking of stories, how have stories, real or fic um, fictional narrative stories, how have they shaped you as a person? I mean, obviously it's shaped you quite a bit because, you know, you're involved in it, but tell us about that and go on. Yeah. You know, I, so I, I, I put this up, you know, for a reason. And, um, again, this is a narrative. I, I go back to this guy, you know, my, my hero, you know, Rocky Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> I, well, yeah, yeah. Him too. But <laughs> if you read his story, unbelievable again i'm i you know not to speak you know for him or you know but from my my understanding of it was you know guy was in a 250 square foot apartment in i don't know bushwick and um he was riding rocky i think he had some like bit parts and some other things you might have seen him like here or there as like a as like a street thug or whatever you'd call it and at that time, you know, he's doing these little, you know, again, for many actors, you know, you do these bit things. And for him, he had a script that he was attached to that he had done himself. And he took it and said, look, you know, this is mine. You know, I'm not going to give this away unless I play Rocky, you know, unless yeah. this is I sort of embody this role I created. I believe the guy got pushback and you know it, it got so bad you know him trying to figure it out he had to sell his dog uh bupkis um so that's a guy where i look and i'm like wow that guy stuck it out no matter what the cause even to that degree like like where you you sacrifice mm -hmm. you make a sacrifice to fuel this thing that is higher than myself or anyone or groups of people. The meaning we get out of the stories we tell, it ain't about getting hit. It's about getting hit and moving forward. So, you know, you could say real or nonfiction, fiction or nonfiction, um, or, you know, with, um, 
historical or non-fictional elements. Um, this is what it means to be a human being, you know, you know, so let it ride, you know, learn something, um, try new things, uh, and keep moving forward. Dang yeah. it. So, well, and I, I get the sense from you that you're interested in, in playing, not just a role like that, but also to be a person that encourages others in that same way. Those were the actors that influenced me, the, uh, the Jeff Goldblums, the Matthew Brodericks, the uh, trying to think who was popular at, at, at that time. You know, I, I could put any name in, in the space, but those were the guys who I, you know, I don't know who they are as, as people. You know, I don't see Jeff Goldblum and I'm saying, oh, I'm watching Jeff Goldblum and his problems. I'm seeing <laughs> Dr. Ian Malcolm. Totally separate from the man, Jeff Goldblum. Actually, I have his autograph somewhere. I've had, I've had his autograph since like the late 90s. It's somewhere around here, I think. But um, I don't know. I'll, whatever. So these are the guys who doing what they did, you know, not who they are or not what they have, you know, do, just doing what they did, doing the dance, doing the the, you know, the play, making the play. That was the thing that made me want to do this. It wasn't any particular person or personality. It was the idea that I could create something larger than life. Yeah. And being a part of it. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of diving into stories the, the other aspect of humanity, being a human, living with others, uh, being an effective individual or community is systems. So what do you think about systems and how do you use them? How do they affect you? Only if um, I believe systems, if I, if my definition of systems is just kind of, it's like the firmware. It's like the nervous, it's like a nervous system. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, the telephone wires that kind of send signals and just kind of generally make things happen. When I think of systems that make things happen, like, you know, college. Um, you know, you're, you pay them. I, I heard, I heard my freshman year, like one of my first days, you know, they tell you another mentor of mine, David Britt once said, you have more power than any senior professor here you are they are here for you you know i mean and ultimately you know you're paying for it so what is the value you know that you get out of it you know can can you hang out after class and can you kind of maybe annoy the crap out of that guy and say you know have 20 questions um i was just that guy i always loved learning and understanding um, the way of things and where do we come from? Where are we going? How did we get here? Uh, I think these are all important things. You know, everybody knows this in the back of their heads, you know, it's, it's nothing exclusive to me. Um, 
Does that answer your question? I, 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 I totally. So I guess how do, um, how do systems help you answer those questions? So, hmm. or do they? as yeah, I would say systems might be the means uh, to which I derive understanding. Systems might be again. This is this mug is the system for which I give myself coffee. Um, <laughs> it, this is the system from which I am able to uh, consciously and effectively talk to you in a way that makes yeah. sense. Um, I love this system. Uh, well, and, you know, and what comes to mind is just our dependency on so many systems of which we are um, beneficiaries, but of mm. which we probably don't even realize or appreciate. We think we yeah. are independent in many ways, but we are highly dependent, right? Yeah, I would say people are just highly influential. People, you know, everybody's a product of their place and time. You know, so for me, I remember in college, I, you know, for me, that's just my perfect analogy. I just remember I had teachers who had my back um, and they were sort of the constants that kept me going where I, I may have convinced myself, well, you know, maybe you should, you know, you can always come back or, you know, you just do the, do the thing, you know, and because again, this has no college uh, degree requirement to do this uh, line of profession, but I just saw that when theater, I had hit a wall with theater, I said, well, there is Netflix. There is this, there is this thing called streaming, you know, the, you know, movie. So I find, I find it actually very weird um, in my work that, uh, the, the natural way of things was that it, I didn't want to do theater. I, I didn't, I love that. And I always will, but there's this medium, there's a system that's like a coin, you know, same side, a different side, same value, theater or film. And I said, it's all the same. So I, I looked at, at the system and said, well, it's not enough. It's not enough to just have, you know, a direct line of, you know, two plus two is four. And how do you feel about that? What are your opinions on this? Um, it's just knowing and trusting who you are and what you want. And if something isn't working out for you in a system that's probably bigger than yourself, it's probably very imposing. Um, you know, when, when you're confronted with the staff members and the institution, the idea that school represents, you know, you believe that they, you know, they know everything, they have your best interest and you need to learn from them. At some point, I, I don't know if it's you learning enough or you, I guess, just having a better sense of self. Um, you start to take charge and you start to say, well, systems are great. I, I've worked for systems. Systems need to work for me. You know, I can, I can go to class. I can hang out in the back. I can cut up with my friends, you know, whatever. But that's not me using the system as I optimally could. 
me sitting in the front row and asking 20 questions is what's going to benefit me in the long term, in the short term and the long term. So what are the future positive outcomes you want to create for yourself? And if you have an idea of what that is, totally separate from what's going on around you, do it. Bill Gates build uh, windows in his garage. You know, it's like there are so there's a million other examples, but there are people who do things. We are so good at just doing things. Um, But individuality is genius. Going against the grain, standing out. You know, you're different. You're weird. Um, But. You're not following, I guess, the, you're not following the herd. Mm-hmm. You, where everybody might say, well, you know, we're kind of all going down this path, you know, but we're in it together. The people who kind of break off and do their own thing, there's a, it's a risk, you know, you might fail. You might succeed. You can go out, you know, in a, in a snowstorm, you can go out and play outside. You can be freezing, you know, you have the risk of getting sick, but it's fun. Yeah. So go outside and play. So how do you, you've made a few comments like um, figure out what you want and go after it, you know, uh, get clear on your dreams and, and pursue them, trust yourself. How do you filter those things when they are out of whack? Perhaps your dream is not such a good thing or what you want is not a good thing. Um, how do you filter what is good and not good um, in those contexts? Um, perhaps you can't trust yourself because yourself is telling you things that are harmful. So how do you, how do you filter through those dynamics or what would be your um, advice in those regards? Yeah, you know, everybody's different. Everybody's from somewhere. And the cool thing about being in America or the cool thing about being in New York, specifically being a cultural hub, um, having all these different kinds of flavors of the human experience um, were the things that made me say, well, I know what it's like to not be them. I, I, I can't belong. I, I can't be in that group. It's like, you know, but I have, you know, for me, like I'm here and everybody else is somebody else. It's like, I guess what's informing that, you know what, this group is not a group I can be a part of what what's going on there. That's, that's, that's community that's uh, informing that. Yeah. You know, I, I think I maybe I just had like a unique set of value systems. I guess I inherited or I learned Mm -hmm. myself. Yeah. Um, but I always knew I just didn't ever want to put myself in harm's way for the sake of fun or thrill mm-hmm. or compromising my health. It's like, you know, now, and now I think we can all kind of agree there are more important things um, than just career or just one pillar of your life. So understanding what good means for you might not be the same for me but be your own parent 
keep yourself out of harm's way. Trust yourself. And, you know, if something doesn't feel right, if something doesn't really feel right to you, like if you feel like, you know, you're being pressured or if you feel like you're kind of being marched or influenced to go down a path you do not see yourself going down, the best possible outcome for you is to get off that path as early as possible. It's a lot easier to get off that path you do not want to go down when you're at the fork in the road. You didn't set any footsteps down there. Um, so understanding the variety of paths, the multiple choice, you know, figure again, figuring everything out, you know, I don't have all the answers, but I always say, um, baby steps, even baby steps down the path that feels good mm -hmm. is, is progress. Yeah. So you made the comment, um, you, you have value systems that have informed some of, of these types of principles that you're explaining. What if someone doesn't have those, like, or what if they're lacking in those, perhaps it was their upbringing or lack of upbringing? Um, how do they, how do they wrestle with that? You know, you, you talk about yeah. standards and having a standard of goodness, um, to move towards. Um, but for many people, they may never have experienced that or never been taught that of which is out there. Right. Or maybe the version of it they, they got was corrupted, you know? Yeah, I, for me, in my own experience, when I think about those moments where I was not as conscious as I probably could have been, you know, you know, when you're a young teenager, you know, just generally wanting to be rebellious and, you know, it's, 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 it's like, what is it, Huck Finn or Tom Sawyer who balances himself on the, on the fence to impress. Becky, you know, it's like, oh. you gotta break your neck kid, you know, take her to <laughs> take her to coffee. It's like, so I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't know if I've answered the question. Well, um, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm wondering. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, just, so for me, like, yeah, I've, 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 I've been, I've had, you know, a, a move, you know, to a cross country move when I was young, I had, um, a near death experience with friends involved and I'm out here, you know, pursuing the thing I've always wanted to do 138%. So I've had different stages. I've had different chapters, but, um, everything's just a moment in time. You know, I, I, I'm not My 23 year old self is not my 26 going on 27 year old self. So in youth, these things are particularly useful because it's rapid change almost overnight in such a short amount of time. Like, you know, growing pains is, is like the perfect example. You, you are the thing that is, you are the thing that transforms into something else and you are the thing that is transforming into something else so you are who you are you're gonna be something else somebody new 
if you know if you grow and do all the right things um but you are also growing understanding you do not have to be elon musk overnight uh i think is the most important thing i could share it's like what my i always said i could i could do it i could have a teacher's salary being an actor i could i i don't i never wanted to be the greatest actor ever i just wanted to do it you know so what it money is not success wealth is you know materialism um that may be success for some people maybe i just don't know where to shop um, well, I, th I think what i'm hearing from you is one you, sh you ought to define what success is before you start pursuing it yeah to those who may say you know i hear it a lot especially from kids in college a lot of kids who have undeclared majors um i don't know what i want or i don't know it's okay not to know um but at some point you gotta know what that is otherwise the danger of being adrift the danger of being lost, the danger of uncertainty is getting lost in the woods. Yeah. If you, um, if you don't have a place you're going, then lost is very difficult to even know that you're lost, right? <laughs> get your bearings, map it out. Don't have an A to B plan. Have an A to Z strategy. If B and C and D and E and F and G, uh, if the, if those things aren't working out for you well maybe i will or not me but j k l m n o p yeah. might work for you yeah uh so understand you know failure is is yeah it, it's the greatest teacher you know perfectionism or results you know that's that's not that's not realistic yeah you know? yeah it's, so we uh, need to embrace your failure embrace yeah. Um, that you are learning and you are well going so somewhere. Add, so how do you what would you say to someone that has conflated failure with their identity? If they fail, oh. they are a failure. Like how do you separate those two and how would you recommend others do that? Well, coming from somebody who I guess is a self-labeled uh perfectionist, I I I used to think that of myself. I used to not have that dissonance between my career failures or my educational failures or relationship failures. It's like, what are we talking about? It's like, there are, there's so many pillars in life. Um, you just need to maintain, um, and typically when, you know, you excel at any one thing, the other things kind of not get as much attention. Yeah. So balance in all things is essential. Um, knowing, you know, I may not know how I'm going to get there, but just saying I'm coming to America or I'm making this life altering decision. Atlanta was not part of the plan, uh, <laughs> but let's give it a shot. Yeah. 
roll the dice and you'd be surprised. You would be surprised how throwing yourself in an environment where you don't know anybody, nobody knows you, you don't know where you are, that's freedom. That is choice. That is, that's you. Yeah. yeah if, that, if, that's what you, if that's what you're into. Um, yeah, so your, your level of being fully committed, uh, you know, I wrote a book called Path of the Freelancer and I talk about levels of commitment and there's, there's four stages. And the fourth stage is being fully committed. And when I talk to freelancers, what I'll do is I'll find out to figure out how committed they are. I'll ask them, hypothetically, your bank account's empty. You have zero clients. You've lost, you've just lost all of your clients this weekend. What's the thing you think to do next? If they Mm. think, well, I better go get a job. They're not fully committed to freelance. But if instead they think to your A to Z strategy, how am I going to get the next client? then they are fully committed. And so much of what you talk about is, is in that vein of this is it. Like there is no plan B. It's figure out how to get to the next step, how to get to the next thing. And um, would you agree with, is that a good way to think about it? Yeah, I, I would say in that spirit, it takes months to build a friendship. It takes seconds to lose one. Yeah. Or, you know, put anything in that, in that kind of blank space. But relations, um, keeping up with people, you know, you may have only have spoken to for, you know, a little amount of time might lead to something later yeah. um, that is meaningful and worthwhile. Yeah. It's, it's oftentimes it's the last minute things. It's the things you don't expect in your periphery that have life changing moments. Yeah. So what else did you want to share that we didn't get a chance to get to? Well, I guess just in the spirit of um, when it comes to mentorship and the future, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm very privy to, I've always been very curious in acting even, like when two people are speaking to each other, what are they saying? How are they saying it? What do they want out of the other person? You know, I, if you could call that relationship analysis um, uh, or throwing yourself into a context that's not yours. Um, Oh, goodness. I, I, I feel like I've lost track already. Uh, just one more time. <laughs> uh, I'll go again. <laughs> just it, what else do you want to um, share with us oh, before we close yeah. out here? Yeah. Oh, lighting. <laughs> that guy's fired. Um, yeah. So when it comes to the future and when it comes to mentorship, you know, I do understand, you know, for every moment that I spend on camera or behind the camera, in the war of attention, um, we find ourselves fighting, you know, on social media or just, you know, trying to get your name out there, just trying to get a job. 
it's so it's never been more important than right now to understand, well, you know, I could, I could be, you know, putting satellites in space. I could be developing apps. I could be what I, what I, the first job I wanted, you know, when they ask you in elementary school, the first time they asked me that question, I think it was like first grade. My answer was actually, I wanted to be a police officer. By the time I had gotten to middle school, the answer had changed into, I wanted to be a social worker or a therapist. Um, I always understood and that I have this curiosity for how people interact with each other. And I think maybe that's a helpful tool in, you know, why I do this. So I'm going to do this as long as possible, but if I do that, if I continue down uh, the line of acting, Somebody ultimately, you know, whether it's an agent or a casting director has to kind of say, well, let's give him a chance. Um, I, you know, doing my own projects, I, I look for people who want it. I look for people who might be perfect in that thing and say, hmm, you know, who would make a good, but um, rearing the next generation, rearing the people, uh, the excellent people who haven't yet to be here is how this thing continues, is how we get to enjoy telling stories that span time, culture. These are all universal languages we can all understand and create meaning out of so if i can if i can provide that for another kid watching a television series or a movie and saying oh my god you know i want to do that you know well then that's 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 how i you know that's how i do what i do it's what made me do this but maybe down the line i would consider uh taking a more hands-on approach in having people access you know this industry having an access to their own creativity having an access to what they really want that's all acting is is what do i want how do i get it what if i don't get it you know so if i can teach somebody what do you want and how to get it well not how to get it you know that's that kind of it's that's where personal responsibility comes in that is mentorship. Yeah. Function, functionally or fundamentally, fundamentally, I, I have an arts degree. Uh, <laughs> fundamentally, uh, we have a responsibility. Yeah. With great power comes great responsibility, right? <laughs> oh, Uncle Ben. <laughs> Aunt May, uh, you know, it's funny, I that I get so much flack because uh, my friends, you know, every, um, they say, oh, have you seen the new movie? Have you seen this new thing? Have you seen that? I, I find myself like not like watching as many new things as I used to. And I am, like, hmm. you know, I, need, I still need to see uh, No Way Home. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
I was, I, 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 maybe I'm a product of my time and I enjoy the Raimi movies uh, yeah. more than those. Yeah, yeah. Admittedly. Uh, it was good to see Tobey Maguire back though. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Anything else you want to share? Um, Any final words? Um, yeah. Tell us how people can connect with you if they want to reach out or learn more about what you're doing. Yes. Um, for all future self-portrayals of myself, uh, feel free to uh, follow uh, my Instagram. It's my full name. There goes my light. Um, my Instagram handle is long and complicated, just like um, the battery life of this uh, fixture. Uh, but yeah, Jason Michael Fernandes on Instagram. Um, those are where all my uh, updates are made. Uh, yeah. And um, in terms of what's next, um, I don't know if living the dream or is exactly it also. Uh, it's, it's living my reality. Um, yeah. That's just, that's just as important. So ex accepting the, the reality of which you're in and moving forward through it. I can only do what I do. You know, I can only do so much, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just an actor from, you know, the suburbs <laughs> of Long Island. So yeah. that's in the context of me, that's, that's, that's fine. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and uh, sharing your life with us today. Thank you, Jason. And um, I really hope that this uh, leads to a long and prosperous friendship out of conversations uh, we might have had years ago. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I greatly look forward to any future conversation. And uh, maybe you know somebody who can, uh, who knows lighting, because uh, I think I'm, <laughs> I'm starting to go out here. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Thank you for listening to this episode of Share Life. For additional stories and systems to live better and work smarter, visit jasonscottmontoya.com. That's jasonscottmontoya.com. We look forward to having you listen in on the next episode of Share Life.